Chapter Two of The Last Secrets by John Buchan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Gorges of the Brahmaputra. Fifty years ago, one of the questions most debated among geographers was the origin of the Brahmaputra. The great river, navigable for eight hundred miles from its mouth, was familiar enough in its course through the plains of India. But it flowed from the wild Abor country, and no part of the Indian borders was less known than those northeastern foothills. Meantime, in Tibet, north of the main chain of the Himalayas, there was a large river, the Tsangpo, flowing from west to east. Did the Tsangpo ultimately become the Brahmaputra? Or did it flow into the Irrawaddy, or even into the Yangtze Kiang? All three views were held, but there was no evidence to decide between them. In 1874, a native explorer, the pundit Nain Singh, started on his famous journey from Le to Lhasa, and was instructed, if possible, to follow the Tsang Po and see where it went. He reached Lhasa, and, on his return, struck the Tsang Po at Sitang, well to the east of the point where the British expedition crossed in 1904. He followed its course for 30 miles farther down, but was prevented from continuing his journey and compelled to return by the direct route to India. In 1878, another native explorer, G.M.N., seems to have followed the Sangpo down as far as Giala, which is not far from the point where the river turns sharply to the south but his reports were not considered reliable. In 1884, another native, Kinthup, succeeded in following the Tsangpo to a point called Pemakuchung. There he found an enormous gorge and was compelled to make a detour out to the north and east, rejoining the stream where it entered the Abor country. Kinthup's report was of the highest interest. He had stood at the beginning of an apparently impassable gorge and he reported a fall at Pimakochung of a hundred and fifty feet. He was, however, quite illiterate, and was only able to make his report from memory, and it presently appeared that the height might be only fifty feet, and that the higher fall was not in fact a mainstream, but a small tributary. One fact, however, of the utmost importance had been established by his expedition. The Sangpo was, beyond reasonable doubt, the Brahmaputra in its upper course. The Lhasa expedition in 1904 would fain have traced the river to the plains had not the government interposed a veto. In the years that followed, the source of the Tsangpo was discovered by Captain Rawling. In 1911, the Abor expedition increased our knowledge of the course of the Brahmaputra right up to the skirts of the main range. The problem now was not the linking up of the Tsangpo and the Brahmaputra, but what happened to the river in the hairpin bend between Pimakochung and its debouchment in the Abor valleys. The elevation of the stream at the point where the main road to Lhasa crossed it was in the neighborhood of 12,000 feet. From there, as far as Pimakochung, we knew that there was no very great loss in altitude, but when the Brahmaputra appeared in the Abor foothills, it was only between 1,000 and 2,000 feet above the sea. The stretch of unknown course was perhaps 200 miles, and in that section the rivers broke through the main range of the Himalaya. 
it was possible nay it was probable that somewhere in those gorges which kintha had thought impassable lay hidden the most tremendous waterfall in the world the secret of the brahmaputra gorges was one of the topics that most fascinated geographers between the years nineteen o four and nineteen thirteen in that latter year the mystery was solved and the ignotum proved not to be the magnificum this is the story of the solution the course of the brahmaputra through assam is roughly from northeast to southwest but at a place called sadia the main stream there known as the daihong turns sharply to the north at that point too it receives an important tributary on its left bank called the daibong during the winter of nineteen twelve to nineteen thirteen captain f m bailey an officer of the indian political service was employed by the government to survey the daibong basin while another party had gone through the abor country to survey the daihong early in nineteen thirteen Captain Bailey and Captain Morshead of the Royal Engineers collected what stores they could and started off from the village of Mipi on the upper waters of the Daibong. Their aim was to cross into the Daihang Valley and to follow the river upstream to the Tibetan Plateau. Captain Bailey had been with the Lhasa expedition and had a long record of exploration in different parts of Tibet, so he had all the qualifications needed by the pioneer but his party was imperfectly equipped since it started more or less on the spur of the moment and had had no time to obtain proper stores from india he trusted to the prestige won by the abor expedition and his experience of the ways of the tibetans to furnish him with coolies and local supplies the reader's attention is now prayed for the map the first business was to cross the high passes separating the Daibang from the Daihang. The weather proved abominable, and for part of the route only half rations could be issued. As they descended into the valley of the Daihang, they found once more cultivation in villages, and they were able to supplement their stores by shooting game, especially pheasants, which teemed by the roadside. It was necessary to establish touch with the Abor survey party lower down the river, and accordingly they had to halt for some days. At a place called Kapu, they managed to take the altitude in the riverbed and found the height above sea level to be 2,610 feet, an important result, for they were able to take no other observation at water level below the main gorges. These foothills of the Himalaya were inhabited chiefly by savage tribes akin to the Abors, who were known generically as Lopas. But as the expedition advanced up the river, they came to the country of the Pobas, who were under Tibetan influence. At Lagung, which is about the center of the hairpin bend, the course of the river turned west. It might have been possible for them to have followed it some thirty miles farther, but they were pressed by a Poba official with whom they made friends to go northeast into the absolutely unknown country of Pome, which would enable them to make a circuit and reach Djala at the head of the gorges. Captain Bailey considered that it would be easier to explore the gorges by going downstream. On the 21st of June, they crossed a pass of over 13,000 feet into the valley of the river known as the Po Tsang Po, an affluent of the Brahmaputra. 
it was a stream eighty yards wide and of such rapidity that its current was one whirl of foam the natives were in great fear of the chinese and it was necessary to go boldly to showa the capital where a letter could be received from the abor survey party vouching for their respectability the chinese had burned the place killed the chief and decapitated the council and the inhabitants looked askance at the travellers because of the chinese writing on a tablet of indian ink which they carried after three days however a letter arrived from the abor party which persuaded them that captain bailey and captain morshead were at any rate servants of the english king the explorers now moved northeastwards down the po tsang po finding great difficulty in crossing the tributaries where the bridges had mostly been destroyed it was a beautiful land bright with primula iris and blue poppy and the roads were lined with raspberries they were now leaving the pome country and traveling among a more civilized type of tibetan who wore hats like clergymen made out of yak's hair after crossing a pass of over fifteen thousand feet they returned to the main stream of the tsangpo this country was under the charge of tsong pen of tsela who came to meet the travelers an urbane gentleman whose son was at rugby and a promising cricketer they were now on the tsangpo above the mysterious gorges they had left behind them the hot valleys of the lower stream and found a dry tibetan dale where the chief crops were barley and buckwheat the river was broad and slow at one point stretching into a lake six hundred yards wide and its altitude was nine thousand six hundred eighty feet the problem was now to follow it down from that point to the point of their last observation where the altitude was only two thousand six hundred and ten feet somewhere in the intervening tract of gorge it must make the enormous descent of over seven thousand feet the first stage was the twenty-two miles down to giala which had been visited in eighteen seventy eight the stream was in flood owing to melting snows and the waterside track was difficult four days march below giala they reached pimacochang the limit of kinthrop's exploration so far they had passed various small rapids but nothing in the nature of a fall a mile below pimacochang they came on kinthrop's cascade it proved to be only some thirty feet high and not vertical the road now became extraordinarily intricate great spurs ran down to the river and blocked the glen and it was necessary to cut paths through dense forest and thickets of rhododendron to surmount them there was no track of any kind and the tributaries descending from the adjacent glaciers were often hard to cross they ran short of food and could get no reliable information as to the possibility of their descending the stream Captain Morshead and the coolies accordingly returned to Gala, and Captain Bailey, with one man and fifteen pounds of flour, attempted to descend the Tsangpo by the route which a party of Monbas was said to have recently taken. He found the Monbas, but they were wild and suspicious and far from helpful. They refused to take him to their village and declined to show him the road around the difficult cliffs apparently they considered that a traveller who had only one servant and who carried most of his baggage himself must be a person of small importance and not worth troubling about he managed however to pick up from them certain news about the lower valley 
he returned to Giala and rejoined Captain Morshead, and they proceeded to piece their knowledge together. At Giala, a small stream drops from the cliffs, making a waterfall in which the god Shingchi Chogya is concealed. The image of the deity is carved or painted in the rock behind the fall, but it is only possible to see it in winter when there is little water. This, apparently, was Kinthrop's fall of a hundred and fifty feet. Now, why should so meagre a natural feature have attained such celebrity among the Tibetans, for the fame of it has spread far and wide over the country? The reason seems to be that it is unique, because there are no other high falls. Had this deduction been made from Kinthrop's evidence, the mystery of the Brahmaputra gorges would have been solved long ago. The travelers collected their observations on the altitude of the river level and the speed of the current. At Pei, where they first struck the Tsang Po, the height was 9,680 feet. 34 miles below it, the river level was 8,730 feet, giving a drop of 28 feet to the mile. At Pima Kochang, the altitude was 8,380 feet and the drop 24 feet a mile. Three miles farther down, the altitude was 8,090, giving a drop of 97 feet a mile, which included the 30-feet drop of Kinthrop's Fall. At the lowest point Captain Bailey reached in the riverbed, the altitude was 7,480 feet, giving a drop of 48 feet to the mile. The next point on the river, which they had visited, was Lagung, below the gorges, where they could not take an observation in the riverbed, but, 45 miles downstream, the altitude was 2,610 feet. There remained, therefore, some 50 miles of gorge which had not been, and could not be, explored, and the information about it was only indirect. From Lagung upstream to where the Po Tsang Po joined the Tsang Po, lay a stretch which many natives had visited. The altitude of the junction was estimated at 5,700 feet, which would give a drop of 3,090 feet in the 75 miles down to their observation of 2,610 feet, a fall of some 41 feet per mile. Here there was clearly no waterfall. From the junction of the two streams to the point where Captain Bailey turned back was not more than 20 miles and the drop 1,780 feet, giving a fall of 89 feet a mile. The Monbos, whom he had met, told him that they had hunted on the right bank of the stream throughout this unknown stretch, and that, though there were many rapids, there were no big cascades. We are not concerned with the rest of the journey of Captain Bailey and Captain Morshead, which took them upstream to Tsitang, where Nain Singh had gone in 1874, and back to India by the wild country of the Bhutan border. Their evidence may be considered to have finally solved the riddle of how the great river breaks through the highest range on the globe. It does it by means of hundreds of miles of marvelous gorges, where the stream foams in rapids, but there is no fall more considerable than can be found in many a Scottish salmon river. I am not sure that the reality is not more impressive than the romantic expectation the mighty current is not tossed in spray over great cliffs, but during the eons it has bitten a deep trough through that formidable rock wall. Curiously enough, the rivers which break through the Himalaya chose the highest parts of the range through which to cut. 
South of Pimacochang is the great peak of Namchabarwa, 25,445 feet high. North of it is the peak of Gialapere, 23,460 feet. The distance between these mountains is only some 14 miles, and through this gap, at an altitude of just under 9,000 feet, flows the great river. End of chapter 2